Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Hi guys, we hope you're well and you're looking after yourselves in this very uh, testing time for all of us. Of course, we've all been affected somehow, some way by the coronavirus. And so we hope that you're listening in um, to this podcast in good health. Um, and, and you and your, your family and, and close ones are, are, are well looked after. Um, as always, we're going to start uh, the episode sharing the itinerary with you. So you're familiar with exactly what we're going to be discussing on this week's episode. So we kick things off by speaking about how the coronavirus has affected us in our day-to-day lives. Um, we then use the opportunity to share the In Other News segment and highlighted some of the work that different organisations, clubs and individuals and players are, um, are doing to help fight the battle against the coronavirus. And we were joined by a very special guest in Mark Palios, who is a former player and now the chairman of Tranmere Rovers, who shed some uh, uh, insight into uh, the effect that the coronavirus has had on uh, the club, as well as speaking about the season so far and the aspirations in the short, medium and, and long term. He also spoke about the future of uh, first team coach Mickey Mellon. So stay tuned. And we hope you enjoy it. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As always, I'm your host, Budge, joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Gents, COVID-19, the the buzzword around town at the moment. How are you guys keeping? I'm not good, man. I'm struggling, man. This um, self-isolation thing is, is crazy, man, but... We all need to pull together and get through this and defeat coronavirus. 100%. It's, it's taken me a little while to adjust, you know, having to work from home, not having the, the double screens and whatnot. And 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult, it's, it's man. Difficult. It's, it's been driving me crazy, but like this is like a good, you know, relaxation period, mm-hmm. um, and I'm happy to to record today, man, because I need it. Yeah, I've been struggling. Hundred percent. How about you, Dej? How you been finding it, man? Yeah, this has been tough, man. This is unprecedented times. Like we've never had to go through this, so. You know, I'm pulling my hair out, literally finding things to do. So yeah. I've just taken to reading books and studying some football and seeing how football's changed over the last 10 years, man. Yeah, man, it's even been like difficult for us in terms of like trying to get guests on because, you know, everyone's wary and yeah, everyone's just staying at home, man. But hopefully we can defeat this together. 100%. And obviously we just have recently watched the uh, Prime Minister's address um and 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 heard news of the the, the changes that are going to be happening and, and and things that have been implemented by uh the chancellor rishi uh, sunak um i think the, a, a key one is is the fact that all the the, the pubs and the restaurants and mm. and gyms are going to be closing down so it's like it's you're really going to have mm. to find be find creative ways to keep yourself occupied at home aren't you yeah it's lockdown i mean we've been thinking of creative ways to keep our mm. content going yeah, yeah obviously yeah. we're speaking to different people and yeah we're just going to have to you know find ways to combat the situation mm. do more teleconference calls where you know mm. people are isolated so we don't come into you know mass contact with people yeah, yeah so we'll be doing quite a few calls at the moment mm-hmm. going forward 100 percent. now we have a special guest that's um joining us today um before we introduce that special guest um you know as always we like to introduce we like to bring in the uh segment which is in other news and given the fact that uh, um the coronavirus is the main topic of discussion wherever you turn um at this moment in time i thought it would be uh good to really call out um particular organizations um individuals uh, clubs and that kind of thing who are um really um you know making a positive contribution to helping tackle the the virus and it's uh, moments like this that really sort of restore your faith in humanity you know <laughs> absolutely um, and enough. the fact that everybody's sort of pulling together and and, and doing their bit so really quickly we're going to uh, run through a few different things that um, that different people are doing. So we saw the other night that Wembley Stadium was lit up with the message, thank you at NHS uh, for all of their hard work. Uh, National uh, League side Stockport County donated 75k to the NHS to help treatment mm. of patients. Uh, Gary Neville shut down his hotel, securing the jobs and income of his staff and donating the hotel beds to the NHS staff for free. Uh, Chelsea have done the same so they've offered the NHS full use of the Stamford Bridge uh, Millennium Hotel and Roman Abramovich has committed to picking up all of the costs uh, Sadio Mane d- uh, donated 45k uh, to the National Committee fighting coronavirus in Senegal um, we saw uh, Bayern Munich players Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich uh, launch the We Kick Corona initiative uh, and both don- uh, donated um, a million euros in a battle against the virus um, and we also have seen a handful of restaurants offering discounted uh, or free food and drink to the NHS staff. Prep, McDee's, Leon, Nando's, uh, Starbucks, Burger King and, 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 and a few others. Um, so like we said, it's just really, really encouraging to see that obviously in this time that, you know, we are uh, social distancing, that people are still, you know, rallying together and, and, and making uh, an effort to do whatever they can um, to, 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 to help out. Yeah, just to buttress your point, obviously I've got a family member that works at the NHS and obviously people talk about how they're heroes, but they really are, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because they're putting themselves in the firing line for this virus and obviously they're there for the people and obviously I've benefited from a few of the discounts, Mm -hmm. but 
that's a small thing in the yeah. whole bigger picture. 100%. So we've got to big up the NHS and people putting their lives and working these long, ridiculous hours. Yeah. You know, there's talk of people working 48 hour shifts just for, you know, to serve the public. And we're also joined, um, as we mentioned a little earlier, uh, by a very special guest, a very well-esteemed guest. He is uh, uh, the former player and now chairman of, of Chamir Rovers. Um, he has previously been a senior partner at PwC before then uh, becoming the FA's chief executive in July of 2003. And his main remit, uh, or one of his remits were uh, was to help stabilise the financial situation of the FA by resolving the financing of uh, Wembley Stadium um, and actually save the FA from having to borrow a further $230 million, mm. which of course would have uh, put the uh, organisation into financial jeopardy. So this is a man who certainly knows his way around <laughs> some numbers. <laughs> and so I, I, as I already mentioned, I, I repeat again, he, he is a former player and currently a chairman of Chamber Rovers. We welcome... Mark Palios to the platform. Welcome, 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 Mark. Welcome, Mark. Good evening, guys. Thank you very much for, for uh, setting your time aside to, uh, to to have a word with us, Mark. We really do appreciate it. We obviously understand it's, it's a very uh, uh, testing time at present. Um, so we really do appreciate um, you know the, the time that we we can share with you. Pleasure, guys. So, so we're going to kick things off, Mark. And, you know, essentially, every, everybody you know, knows wherever you turn at the moment, um, uh, there is talk of the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 and, and the implica- implications yeah. it has on businesses, on individuals, um, and, and, and of course, uh, football as, as we know it. Um, now we can, of course, uh, um, speak about, uh, um, uh, Liverpool's bid to uh, lift the, the the Premier League title until the cows come home. Yeah. Um, but yeah. there are, you know, um, uh, some sort of further and, and farer reaching uh, discussions that need to be had when you look further down the football pyramid and, and the uh, effect that, uh, you know, this will have um, and already st- has started to have on, on different clubs. Um, and, and we wondered if you could perhaps uh, share some insight into, um, you know, your club uh, at, at present, you know, um, what have the impl- implications been on the club so far? And, and, and should this continue? What what do you think uh, that means for the club going forward? Yeah, to, to, before I just talk about, uh, you know, what we're doing, um, um, I, I just, I sent some stuff into the EFL early in the week before they had their board meeting and, you know, really, uh, what I tried to do is to characterise, you know, what I saw in terms of the, the lower league football scene, the leagues one and two. Um, I didn't, I didn't comment on the championship, but the, you know, because the maths of the near arithmetic on the championship is is bad enough. We know they all make losses, etc. Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Forget that, and the figures are bigger there. But but forget that. I just thought I'd give the the AFL a sense of, of of what the size of the cash hole that uh, clubs were facing as a consequence of the first step, which was to to cancel, or sorry, to postpone mm-hmm. the league games. Because on, on, on the basis of the first step, you know, you're losing five, four, five, six games. You know, we were going to lose about £300,000 out of our cash flow just because of that. And because of other businesses that we've got, like the international business and stuff like that, it was in the region of 500000 So between... Between you know not not necessarily the, the the very top guys like Sunderland, but the ones just beneath that, and the guys that you know the, in in, the, in League Two, we probably were an average club. So you're losing about half a million out of your cash flow um, in in a very short space of time. So if you then just multiply that and just do the figures, 
you're talking of a hole between 20, 25 million uh, mm-hmm. in terms of all the clubs. Now, if you if you overlay that on the fact that you've already got a pretty distressed financial landscape, and uh, you know, I, I characterise it as clubs living hand to mouth, and you almost don't need to prove it because the the evidence is there for you if you just look around and see the clubs that can't pay the wages, you mm-hmm. know, on a normal weekday. Um, and you've got administrations, you've got uh, you've got uh, winding up orders, you've got uh, Berry going out of business, etc., mm-hmm. Bolton and so forth. Mm-hmm. So you don't really need to sort of go too far and say everybody's li- living hand to mouth. So suddenly, if you take you know 25, 20, 25 million out of that scene and around half a million for a club, it's going to cause some difficulties. So that was the first thing. And the second thing, you know, when they actually, when you started to look at it, everybody was saying, look, this is going to go on. And it isn't, it isn't, it, you know, the feeling around, around this is it feels like three months, at least. Every, that was the time frame. So mm-hmm. if you then start to look at what happens over the summer and you take this and say, we, we, we start again or we, we start the new season, depending on, on, on what, what the decision is, you're then talking in terms of um, looking at the season tickets. Now, it's not a great conversation to have with your partner to go in and say, look, um, I know it might be, this might be my last paycheck. In March, because lots of people just don't know where they are, mm-hmm. uh, and and therefore, hang on a minute, let's put four hundred quid into the club's bank account um, because I'm buying a season ticket for a season that I don't know when it's going to start. So again, if you start to look at that, you're thinking, well, for us, that's about half a million quid, four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, and lots of the clubs use the season ticket money to fund the gap in the summer. So there's another half a million, so there's another 25 million, so there's your 50 million hole. Wow. That's just in League 1 and League 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark, um, I was listening to an interview with um, one of your colleagues at Gillingham, Paul Scally, and he was just making the point that, you know, they can't survive um, past the three-month mark and they're going to need, you know, some funds from the EFL fund relief, which is, I think, £50 million. So with your chartered accountant background, has that put you in a better position in this crisis or are you the same as all the other EFL clubs? I mean, we're in a relatively fortunate position in as much that um, we, we'd planned for uh, a variety of things. You know, we hadn't planned to have to, to redo the pitch, but we planned to do some projects which were not on the field. You know, so we had we had sort of funds outside to invest in assets. So, all I'd have to do is to drop those projects and then fill the gap. Mm. And so, you know, we, we could exist um, on on all the staff, uh, no income, and we could probably have gone two months, three months. Um, and, you know, there's not, if you're living hand to mouth, as I was saying, there's a lot of clubs who aren't in that position. So that then gives me the time to, to do, actually, <laughs> For me, it's just like going back to work when I was working in the city. This is what mm-hmm. I used to do for a living, so mm-hmm. it, it was pretty easy to do. Yeah. Uh, so we've managed our cash flow, but you know, the, if you look, if you stand back and look at where we are, we are just one industry in all of the industries in the country which is suffering some, you know, to a greater extent than others. Mm-hmm. And and what people are trying to do, you're trying to plan in an uncertain world. And we're moaning we don't know when the leagues are going to start and so forth and so on. Um, and what you try and do is to, in situations like that, is to keep the fabric of the business together, you know, to keep it essentially as as, as intact as you can uh, for when you come out of it, because you know you're going to come out of it. Now, if, if you're trying to do that and you're looking at a typical football club, 
you've actually got, um, you know, what you want to do is to keep, you know, your staff and, and look after your employees. So, Mark, we were planning. Sorry, sorry, Mark. Sorry, continue. Sorry. So we were planning to go through uh, this, and we planned to try and keep our people in place, and we do various things in terms of that. Um, we take the losses on the, on the chin because we've got some cash to cover that off. We'd actually try and repurpose people. I shouldn't use that phrase. I hate it. <laughs> we deploy people. We deploy people. You know, so uh, our, our, you know, guys will be doing jobs that um, they will be doing in the close season. They're doing them now. Other people are doing different things. It's like you know, cooks carrying rifles. Guys who are, <laughs> all it is, it's guys who are into like the uh, the what we call cowshed catering, which is our, our match day catering. Are doing stuff in in uh, the hotel that we have in terms of preparing meals that we're trying to give out and take out into the community. So again, we're also trying to turn the um, the community people into doing stuff that's required in the community and so forth, which is trying to support the uh, the um, the more vulnerable people in society. So um, we're doing everything that we can to you know, keep everybody gainfully employed, recognising the fact that we're taking losses. Having said that, um, you know you. Um, you then look at uh, you look at the Barnett situation, uh, and and you look at what you can do in terms of restructuring. And again, if I look at the cost base, I can't you know I can't really move on the players, partly because you need them to finish the season because that's what everybody wants to do. And we'll come back to that. So, um, but Mark, the, Mark, would the you biggest, be sorry, Mark? Would the you, biggest cost, Mark? Would you be going down the avenue of um, you know some of the clubs that you did mention, Barnet? Would you be telling you know staff to take pay cuts, for example, or is everyone going to keep yeah. their pay? Yeah, there's there's a whole variety of things. So, what we did is we you know we, we, we looked at that. We looked at the staff that we have. We look at the ones that are basically um, uh, unemployed because we just don't have any revenues coming in, no work for them to do. And then you go through a whole series of things, which is to look at them and say, well, actually, you might renegotiate with some of them and say, look, we'll take a pay cut, but you know, at least you've got a job at the end of it and stuff like that. Mm. We haven't got to that stage yet. We, you know, we've drawn lists. We were, you know, we're going to go through things because this is a, a quick moving um, business, mm. and, and and you know, we, we respond every time um, you know something changes. And so we were we were holding on as long as we could. Um, I have to say that you know what I've just been listening to from. Uh, the uh, the prime minister and the, and the chancellor helps uh, helps a lot um, because it uh, it gives us about eighty percent of the salaries of um, people below mm-hmm. about thirty thousand pounds a year and yeah. there's a lot of employees who, who, who do that so that we we knew that things like that were going to come there's things like the the loan schemes etc that we take it's probably if you take loans you've got to pay them back mm-hmm. so you know that's the difference between profit and, and not but with the government now saying they'll grant 80% basically of, of lower paid employees, uh, that's that's a real help. Uh, and that means probably we will keep everybody on and we'll just suck it in terms of the other 20% in cases where they, you know, they're, not, they're not employed. Um, so uh, the problem I was going to go and say was the, 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 the problem with trying to get um, your cost base down you've got contracted players you know mm. and, and that's your biggest cost yeah because in in the football leagues what I've recognised is a lot of players on one year deals two year deals and I know at Tramway you've got a unique situation I've got a friend that actually plays for the club you've got maybe 12 players out of contract in the summer so yeah. in the yeah. instance of the um, EFL 
further you know delay in the season how would that work in terms of the players because I know some players contracts end at June but with the season ending let's say August September October so how would that be covered for yeah well, uh, again, one of the things you learn is uh, you work in ambiguity. You, you work in situations whereby you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you know you plan for the best scenario that you can see happening. You know, you, you best you best guess almost. Um, and at the moment, uh, where that is, it, it really depends on what the answer is as regards to whether we complete the season or whether we uh, we go forwards in, into the new season and mm-hmm. just write off that season or whatever. Um, so I don't know what that scenario is. What I do know is that you know that, that whole area is driven by regulations, and mm. uh, we have both ends of the piece of string. In as much that you've got the EFL, the FA, the Premier League, and the PFA, so they can determine whatever regulations you want. So if we need to get into a situation whereby you're signing players on short-term extensions to their contracts, then whilst we don't have the regulations at this point in time, that's what we can do because they can change that. These are extraordinary circumstances and therefore they'll get extraordinary solutions. So for me, um, the way I approach life, if I can't do anything about it, I don't worry. I try and plan for the consequences and mitigate them, but I don't worry. So in terms of where that is, um, it's not it's not great for the players. I know that they're going to worry about it, but at the end of the day, um, there's still only going to be the same number of jobs available and still the same number of players. So uh, you know where that will be will depend on a, what scenario we end up with, and B, uh, what regulations that the FA will change. You will see already that, I mean, where this is um, opposite is that uh, the FA's regulations was that the season 1920 should end on, the, is it the 1st of June or the 30th, 1st of June, I think? Um, yes. And they've actually already extended that indefinitely. So mm. that, that gives us the scope then to finish the season whenever we want. So the whole issue there will, will be determined. Um, as soon as we understand what the scenario is. Um, Mark, obviously you've spoken about, you know, the various EXCO committees, you know, the FA, the PFA. But a question I wanted to ask you is, are your neighbours helping our Liverpool and Everton, you know, giving you care packages of support? Um, not, not at this point in time, because we haven't, we haven't asked them for any support in that. As simple as that. Um, we, we've, um, I'm a great believer in self-help, so we've done everything that we can do at this point in time, and we will continue to do that. Uh, and we move it every day. We meet at nine o'clock, and we we get on with stuff. And it, of course, we're working from home now from from today, so uh, we'll be we've made plans for that. And so we, we've next next week we move into a slightly different phase. Um, uh, I, I have to speak to Liverpool as regards the relationship with um, them because they have the women playing at our ground and they also yeah. have their women playing training our training ground. So we have a close relationship with Liverpool. Um, you know, I, I, I do think, and I come back to uh, where the EFL is, and, and I think that there has to be a coordinated football response more than just agreeing what we're going to say to UEFA, which we did. Um, and I do think that some of the, that whole that I was talking about needs to be there needs to be some kind of help coming from 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 up above. But the yeah. problem you've got is that the Premier League at this point in time has its own problems because they have a contract with Sky yeah, TV yeah. and they've got to deal with Sky TV. So everybody is sort of you know dealing with the 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 urgent problems in front of them before they're promising to do anything for anybody else. So 
it's 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 quite a difficult scenario, but that's just typical. Yeah, so from, you know, in a Premier League, I know Liverpool, they rely on, let's say, 16% of their revenue to come, you know, from cash through the turnstiles. For a club like Tranmere, how much of turnstile cash makes up your actual revenue? How much t- of turnstile cash does what, sorry? Makes up your overall um, revenue. It's probably about... Twenty-five percent is okay, so it's marginally um, bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the figures are smaller. So. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah. So, what what message do you have to say? You know, to to your players because I know a lot of them mentally will be having some sort of anchors in their head. So, what message do you want to give to your team, your fans, and just to you know keep everyone at ease? The. Uh, <laughs> The situation at this point in time is that I talk to the manager and the manager then talks to the players and all we've done is to respond to um, what's been um, what's been handed down from, A, first of all, the government and then the, the league's response to that. So as soon as you got into uh, a postponement of the league, we, we you know, Mickey and I, uh, the manager and I, um, gave them a week off because we didn't know where it was going to go and they were going to come back and and start training with Division 2 about two weeks before they started and played on the third. Um, you know, I was a black player, so I know that the lads would go stir-crazy if they were playing five sides with no champion. <laughs> so, you'd be kicking your own grandmother. <laughs> but but so, so that that was an easy decision to make. Uh, and, of course, as the thing then rolls, and, and you know, the, third of, the third of April becomes the 30th of April, you know, We've since had a conversation again, and and, uh, and it just increases the the time available. We'd already um, right in the first stage, we agreed with um, the sports scientists that the lads have, should have a program. Um, so if they self isolated at the time, they'd be keeping their level of fitness up until they come out of that. Uh, in having the week off, the lads have all had uh, a program which keeps them ticking over. You can't do it forever, but. You know, when they feed back in from their, their watches and their WhatsApps or whatever. Yeah. So they feed back into the group so the, the scientists can keep on top of it. Um, but, you know, like everybody else, we're just sitting there waiting. If it, in terms of the contracts, well, I've just, I've just given you that. I, there's nothing I can say about it in terms of um, where they will be. Uh, if you're looking at what one of the objectives has to be, and I think that, you know, for Liverpool fans... It'd be a crying shame. I think the football would be a crying shame if Liverpool weren't sort of crowned as champions. Hundred percent. Mm. They should do. And I think every I just keep saying this: sporting rivalries aside, I'm aware that lots of blues on Mersey's side, and some <laughs> of the whites as well uh, <laughs> would, would be quite pleased at that. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a lot of better fans. <laughs> yeah. but, but sporting rivalries aside, you know, every every serious sports fan I think understands that. You know that would be cheating them, and then you then you go down the league and all the promotions and relegations, and, it, and it's mm. mirrored, you know it's mirrored right the way down the league. There are of course um, contractual situations that that, that that pock in. So you know if you just cancel the league, you've got the sky at the top where there's a big funder, etc. The FL has their own contracts, etc. So I think there are, there are two um, driving forces as to why people want in the game want to finish the league want to finish the 1920 season. And that is, um, one is commercial, uh, because I think it gets, gets rid of a lot of the, the, the issues and 
potential lawsuits and fighting over revenues. Uh, and two is, you know, just that what I call the sporting integrity. Of yeah, the league, yeah. I think needs, needs to happen. So, Mark, uh, what do so, you make of, you know, when you have your colleagues in the game, Baroness Brady coming out and saying that the season should be rendered null and void? Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Fair enough. <laughs> I, think, I think what we'll do now, we want to move on to the football and talk about Tranmere season. I know it's been an eventful one so far. You know, I speak to one of your players. So since your player final win against Newport, when, you know, Jake Caprice whipped in that peach of a ball and sent you through to League One, how would you assess your season? It's It's been a stop-start season. It's been completely... Um, dislocated by a variety of things right from the start. The first thing is, you, you know, we're going on a second a second uh, promotion in, in basically what was 12 months. So already you've got um, a, a dynamic in there by changing your squad more than you probably would do from season to season if you if you weren't getting promoted, you're just staying in the league. You know, we started the season and we got a massive rush of industry, uh, injuries when you're just trying to, you know, to bed new players in, etc., so we, we didn't really get off to a great start in that. And then, uh, perversely, we had, we had a good cup run, yeah. um, which, which brings its own challenges right across the Christmas period. Mm. And at the same time, the pitch just completely collapsed um, because it's an old pitch and, and now we've had it diagnosed, it, it needs to be replaced, um, which is an issue as to how you do that when you don't know when your close season is coming up. But so that started to sort of, we, we, we lost a game, um, we may have lost two games, I can't remember. But then, of course, you're into the the, um, the uh, double-edged sword of a, of a great cup run. And, um, you know, so you're trying to bring players in in the window, but you still have players that you need to play because most of the players you bring in will be cup-tied. So you don't have to sort of keep keep almost like those players and then you, you you get towards the end of the window you know what your, your finances are looking like because you've, you've, you've got through on the Thursday night uh, and you're going to play Man United on the Sunday <laughs> so you, you, do, you do all of that you bring in your players and you've got a you've got a sort of a bigger squad which is good to the extent that you've got more games to play uh, but, but as you're trying to bed those players in You've got um, the pitch is difficult, but it's difficult for everybody. It wasn't too bad for Man United. One would have argued it might have brought them, you know, down a peg or two, but they mm. seem to find it quite. So <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of there was a lot of there was a lot of um, I've got to pull it. A lot of manure talked about the pitch that um, you know it was just nice and it was it seemed to be part of the gender in the women's game. But there you go, we we, <laughs> we, we suffered from that. And then you and then you're talking about. Um, trying to get the players to bed in across what was a difficult programme in the league. It was probably a, h- a hard run of games that we had. Uh, we played some of the top sides, etc. Um, but when, just when you've got out of that and you're starting to see the guys bed in and then we go on a run um, and you talk about hoarding, we, well, we were hoarding points. We got nine out of nine all the way yeah. from home. Uh, and, uh, you know, so you, you, you then got a run of games with all due respect to the teams that we were playing. There were ones just above us and ones that you actually felt you'd, you'd have a good chance to take points off. So we, we were looking at that and we got hit with coronavirus. Uh, so, you know, financially, we've got a new pitch to put in play. Financially, we've got the coronavirus um, issue to take on board. Uh, but disappointingly, you know, our, our momentum was stopped at the only time we'd really got into our stride. Mm. Uh, and with the team and the squad that we had, you know, we felt it was, you know, we, we were going to have a good chance to 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 um, have a great end to the season. 
Just to heart back um, to um, your FA Cup run, how did that, you know, benefit the club in terms of reputation and financially? Um, I, I think it's great. It gave, gave the, the supporters the bragging rights over the uh, Liverpool supporters. <laughs> we were 3 0 we down and we, we, we got through it, but yeah. they were 3 0 down and we didn't. So. Istanbul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the Watford. Uh, <laughs> um, we, we, uh, you know, so, so from our perspective, it was. It was uh, it's, I mean, it's great because it, it, it just shows you how far the club has come in a short space of time. So, again, with no disrespect, because, you know, th- th- there was a really good side to being in the non-league. You met some real football people uh, and you met some great clubs uh, who were down there. And and, and that, that there is a, there is an important part of the pyramid as, as you know, as League 2 and League 1. And, uh, you know, so we, we, had a, we had a fixture list that was probably about was it 18 months before which was tw- uh, 20 months it was something like you know, I don't know Solihull Bournemouth um, Dover uh, yeah. and so forth Maidenhead and so forth and and then suddenly we were playing Coventry uh, Ipswich Sunderland Ipswich Sunderland Portsmouth Man United mm. Watford Watford and, and and you look at that and you think well it's a slightly different um level of competition and it's i've always said this it's great for the fans to get the ability to for us to have those cup runs because um you know that that's that's partly what it's about and in terms of you know uh, clubs at our level having the opportunity to go head to head uh which is rare but but to go head to head with you know with quality sides um and give them a six goal start um it's <laughs> just really what we wanted, but, but you know, I, I think you know, a day like the Watford day, Watford away, uh, that was amazing. Everybody who went to that will. I think you guys went, didn't you? Yeah, we went to the um, South End game um, a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, the nil nil yeah, draw that, away. Yeah, and that was a, that was a game full of tension. It really wasn't wasn't that good. But, yeah, I remember that. Um, even in the away end, they were like fans that were fighting they were incandescent they were saying you always do this to us you always let us down and they really yeah. seemed to you know dampen the mood of the club but I think you guys have turned the corner ever since then <laughs> but uh, yeah no, so, so the cup run was great in that regard but, but as with all cup runs it, it does take you off the ball a little bit in the league and as I say the dynamics that I was talking about were difficult to take uh, and Clark who we brought in to to act as you know the old man at the back and talk to players and stuff like that got injured uh, in that Man United game, which then damages a little bit in the league games because uh, you know, he, he does make a difference at the back. Yeah, so you mentioned Peter Clark, you know, coming from Fleetwood. What difference also has James Vaughan brought to the squad? Like he's a player with Premier League experience, playing for Everton, and he's played through the football leagues. Mm. And I know he um, scored in your game against um, away at Blackpool. So what difference has he made? Because when I watched Tranmere, part of the problem was you know not scoring goals. I know Morgan Ferrier, he's a good you know young striker. He's been trying. He works the works the channel very well. But James Vaughan brings some, you know, he, he's got that wily old fox, fox look about him at this level. Yeah, like, like, uh, James Vaughan is, 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 you know, what you try and buy, you, you see what you get on the tin, yeah. as it were. So it, see, he, he, he came with, the, he's just a handful in terms of, um, he never lets any of the, the defenders, you know, have an easy time of it. And he'll challenge and challenge and challenge, put his body on the line. Uh, on top of that, he's he's a pretty lethal finisher, and now we're starting to see. Yeah. You know that came through in the games that we had. 
you know, against Blackpool, um, Morgan had another great game because the yeah. first game he played against Blackpool, he, he ripped them to pieces, and he he did it again in the first half against against Blackpool. And uh, you know, as a partnership with with uh, James that night, they 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 must have been a nightmare to play against. So, um, and and I think that when you bring in players like James, uh, who's got that. Um, that pedigree, yeah. he just lifts everybody because everybody then understands what they need to do to get to that standard because he's been there, seen it and done it and he's still doing it now. So, uh, yeah, he he was one of the guys that uh, we tried to get him at the start of the season but we just couldn't agree terms. Uh, so we were delighted when he was made available uh, during the window for us and, uh, you know, he's, he, that's one of the reasons that we were relatively confident, you know, coming into the uh, the tail end of the season. Yeah, you've got um, you know, a top centre back, Manny Monte, who's been you know caught in interest in the football league. I think there was rumours of maybe Portsmouth coming in for him in um, January. How close to that? How close was that to happening? And is that a player maybe you want to look to you know extend his deal? Yeah, I mean, uh, Manny, it's, it's no secret that uh, Manny is you know, he, he stands out because he's got. I don't know, six or five, or six yeah. or six. He's a very strong lad. Uh, I think that um, with uh, Peter Clark coming on board, he, he gives that little bit of experience and talks to to Manny and helps him. Will will help him to develop going forwards. I can honestly say we, we didn't have an offer for Manny at the time, so you know it, it wasn't an issue. We never had an offer. We had inquiry and inquiry, but no offer came through. So you know that was it really. Yeah, so also, you know, Mickey Mellon, there was a tough run. I think there was maybe nine or ten games without a win, losing, you know, most games every week. So how difficult is it, you know, to keep faith with your manager when everything's going against the grain? Or did you always know that there'll be that moment where he'll turn it around? Um, I, I think the, the important thing is that there's a couple of issues around this. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me the question. Um, the first thing is that, you know, if you, if you combine social media with the something must be done brigade you've got a lethal combination <laughs> and, uh, but it is you know so so let, let's just go through that and analyze that because it's what i do i, I i'm an analyst basically yeah. mm. so if, if you then look at uh, where we were you know I, i've just given you the scenario that we've had so you take that into account and then you're saying in, in life in anything you do uh, partnerships or whatever you're talking about if you're going to change you've got to change to something better is the first thing and then then so you, you then look at where we were towards the end of the window uh, we had a better squad than we had uh, in the first half of the season uh, injuries were getting cleared up as well um, Mickey knows all of those players uh, Mickey is a manager who um, I think can manage a run in very yeah. well he, you know, he goes from game to game and he does that ever so well. That's why he gets promotions. Mm. Uh, Mickey's a good tactical coach. And despite the, the very simplistic analysis that, oh, he's never done it in League One, he can't handle League One. Um, well, you know, he, for me, I see him change games. I, I listen to what he says. I always ask, how did you see that? And, you know, I, I tend to agree with the way he sees games running and, and, and the way it is. Um, he... You then look at what you bring in. I, you know, I always have a list of managers around. I always keep uh, a second list. And God forbid, you know, you may get knocked over. Mm, yeah. And, you know, when you look at that, um, you know, you see who's around. Everybody says, well, you know, you get in your match, you get an uptick. I'm not sure statistically that's right. And it's not a durable uptick if there is one. So um, why would I do that? 
uh, Red Lion have got to change to something better. It's costly because you then replace him and replace uh, the you know, probably the the staff as well. You bring a manager in at that stage and not his players, so he's got his get out of jail free card. Mm. Um, <laughs> and actually, what managers will come in when they're staring just from the outside looking in? They've got a relegation potentially on the CV. So why would they do that? Uh, if we go down, um, do I think Mickey's the guy to bring us back up? Well, he's just done that. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, and then finally, you know, I, lo- I love it. Well, I hate it really, but I love when people say he's lost the dressing room. You know, because uh, I-, I was at a pro club for 17 years. So I've actually been in the dressing room. I don't need people telling me he's lost the dressing room. And I'll tell you I'll tell you for why. So, yes, you do look at that. You do look because at times you have a bad run and players will go into their shells and they'll, they'll think, well, I'll outlive this manager and so forth. Uh, and uh, you can lose the dressing room. A horrible phrase. But actually, I looked at the, the, the game when we played Bristol, Bristol um, Rovers, and they were struggling for a win. We were struggling. The atmosphere was there for... It wasn't negative or hostile as regards our lads. We were at home, um, but it was it was tense, you know. And everybody desperately wanted a win. Uh, it was a terribly windy, horrible night in the bad weather we were having. And when you put the ball down on the pitch to take a free kick, it just blow away. So you know that virtually every time you're trying to control the ball, it's a 50-50. Mm. You haven't quite got it under control. And it's one of those games you're picking up knocks left, right, and centre because of that. And so I looked at the lads and, and I didn't see anybody jibbing out. I, and, I, and I looked at them when they came out the tunnel at uh, a half time. And I've done that any number of times. When you come out of that tunnel, it's, it's wet and it's windy and it's horrible. You're probably carrying something from the first half. There's a tense atmosphere around the place. You know you're going to have to go through the next 45 minutes doing it and, and, and keeping competing, etc. And and I thought I watched that, and they did it right the way through, right the way through the next forty-five minutes. And you know, if somebody's telling me you've lost a dressing room, I'm saying, think again. It's very easy to say we had a bad game against Bolton, but again, I can understand how the dynamics of that happened in terms of, you know, we brought a lad in on loan from Everton. It was his first game. Uh, there was nobody in the back row because Clark wasn't there. He was speaking, etc., and so forth. And we conceded very early on. So, you know, you can see how these things happen. Um, and so putting all that together, um, I pretty early on after the window decided that, you know, I'll just stick with Mickey because that's the way that it is. And as I say, there was no obvious way you'd change it to, to anything that was better. Mm. And we still hadn't seen what he'd done with the new players, um, you know, going into February. And whilst it was a difficult time, um, you know, for me, it was relatively easy to say, right, okay. There's no more. There's no more levers I can pull in that area, so I'll leave it. And I went on and started to continue to try and fix the business, which is just as well I did because we're mm-hmm. now into a position whereby you know, some of the stuff I was managing to focus on and concentrate on uh, in February has helped us through this um, this this coronavirus thing. Yeah, and I think that's like where your years of experience come into play because. You know, the generation that we're living in at the moment is a microwave generation. People want results very, very quickly, but sometimes sticking by your man is always the best way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, the last question for me, um, before we round up, I want to ask you, what are the short term 
the medium term and the long term um, ambitions for the football club. Obviously, I know that we're suffering through an ordeal with the coronavirus currently. But, you know, what's your answer to that question? Yeah, to some extent, uh, you won't have seen this, but I mean, I, when, when we did the AGM, I explained where we were. You know, if I finish what I'm doing uh, without significant investment, you know, I, I can get us, to, I think, to be in a sustainable League One club. And I've tried to show people the maths that if you actually want to um, stay at Prenton Park, you know, because you get a lot of the traditionalists saying, you know, we love Prenton Park, we want to mm. live there. I'll show you the maths on that, and, and, and that will make you based on. Um, current absence structural change in the industry, current wages profiles, that will make us probably, you know, a a, a mid table, maybe maybe mm. top top of the playoffs, um, League One club. Um and 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 that will be it. And so you might go up uh, and you know, but over a few years you probably come down again. Um but but that that's where you are if we live at Prenton Park and we finish what we're doing without further investment. So if you're looking at further investment and uh, you've got to have projects that you can do, which is why you know we started to talk about a new stadium and things like that. And whilst I may not be the person that takes you forwards, um, at least if I've got the projects there that can take you forwards, you can get this into being a championship club. And wow. so, you know, ultimately that's that's where we we would you know where the ambitions. I hate limiting ambition, mm-hmm. uh, and I've never had any intention to do that. But I also I also know. That you know the gravity works. Apples fall from trees. Water finds its course to the sea. And yeah, you know yeah. if you've got a six, seven thousand gate, possibly eight thousand gate, nine thousand gate, you're going to be a League One club. Yeah, I mean, ab- absolutely. Um, honestly, Mark, we we really, really do appreciate you uh, taking the time out to, to have a word with us. I mean, as as we mentioned at, at the start of the um, of the podcast, it, it was really important that we uh, get uh, sort of a first hand perspective and view on the impact of of, of the uh, the coronavirus. Um, you know, we 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 can sort of argue and, and debate as as much as we we can, um, but it's it's always good to have sort of that sort of that that first perspective and and know exactly what's happening on the ground Um, and you've really uh, provided that insight um, for for us and for our listeners so we really really do appreciate it thanks Mark it's it's been a pleasure oh thanks mate I mean I I like true football people I think you lads are so I'm more than happy to (laughs) to actually come and chat to you about it so thanks a lot for that thank Thank you very much thanks for your time again Mark we'll catch up soon take care cheers thanks bye bye so that was uh, uh, Mark Palios sharing oh, sharing some great insight mm, with us, which was fantastic. Again, mm. it's a completely different perspective. We've we've never uh, had opportunity to hear from a chairman before, so uh, it was it was good to uh, to get his his take on things. So now, obviously, we uh, go back into isolation, <laughs> um, and and yeah, hopefully, it's 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 something that will uh, entertain our our listeners. Um, and, and yeah, I can't wait to listen back to it myself. Too, yeah, man, that was there's a... a lot of things that went over my head just then. <laughs> That was a really, really cold insight. But yeah, not to be too flippant about the coronavirus situation. This is a mm. really serious situation, and obviously, yeah. it takes president over football, of course. Of course. 100%. So um, with that being said, we round off this episode. Uh, just a reminder to all of you who are listening in. Uh, well, first and foremost, a thank you to listening for, for you listening in up until this point. And just a reminder to follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore TBG. And you can also follow us on Instagram at pod underscore TBG. Um, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
Um, it, it's uh, been up and running uh, for about two weeks now. And we've got some very, very good visuals with um, Sir Les Ferdinand um, and Stephen Reid. And Stephen Reid. <laughs> Scotland's uh, assistant manager, Stephen Reid. <laughs> so um, make sure you guys give those uh, a watch and a listen. Um, and a reminder that our content is across Spotify, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And if you are listening in on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave a five star review. Your engagement uh, does go a long way in terms of helping us build up the platform and, 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 and moving it on and moving forward. And so with that being said, keep yourselves safe, look after yourselves and we'll catch you on the next episode. Over and out. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.